Good morning, James. Morning, Bob. How you doing? Yeah, it's just a, just a beautiful morning. One of those mornings that I had 70 cases to take off a semi, so I'm pretty wide awake. It's nice to get a little bit of, uh, a little bit of physical exercise to get your day started. Yeah, I try to get behind the <clears throat> forklift on a deal like that. <laughs> well, I can't get them to put them on pallets, or that's exactly where I would be. I remember one day they did put a bunch of them on pallets, and, man, that driver's face lit up when he said, you have a forklift? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, give me about two minutes to go get it. So, yeah, it's a real it's a real good thing to do, but uh, unfortunately the guys that do the assembling and packaging – uh, they don't always take the time to do that. So anyway, nothing wrong with a little exercise. Um, I needed some assistance on uh, a project. I, I've got a demonstration garden, and I've got to grow cantaloupes on uh, cattle panels, and I've never really done that before. Uh, the spacing is what I'm kind of uh, kicking around. I don't know how uh, how far apart they need to be spaced down that uh. raised bed. Uh, along that cattle panel i'd i put them i put them a foot to 18 inches i've not done it myself but i've seen it done there was an old potato farmer from minnesota uh lived real close to one of my suppliers uh over in seguin a few years back richard's passed on now but uh he had the neatest little deal and you know and carpenter like yourself could do this real easily and he made little six by six platform six inch by six inch platforms that he could hook over uh one of those wires on the cattle panels to support the cantaloupe because if you grow big cantaloupes like i do those things can get so heavy they break off before they ripen and old richard would go out there when the cantaloupe was you know size of a softball and he'd just you know take two seconds to hook one of these things onto your cattle panels the cantaloupe set on top of that and of course it was up where the pill bugs could nibble on the bottom of it and it'd grow to a great big full cantaloupe without putting any stress on the vine and get several of them to the vine that way so uh, I don't know if that's what you had in mind or not, but I think you grow a much better cantaloupe that way. And you can make those little, you know, things out of deck wood. You can make them out of, uh, gosh, I guess just about anything you, you've got lying around the, lying around the barn or the shop and you reuse them year after year after year. And I'd sure think about doing that, but that, that's, you know, that's a great project. You can grow a lot of cantaloupes without taking up nearly the space that you do if you let them spread out around the garden. About how tall was his cattle panel on those beds? Do you, you remember that? Yeah, he, they were, he was using five-foot cattle panels. Okay. That, that's, that's, uh, I need to know because we're, we've got a lot of material out there I can select from. Yeah, and, and of course, use the heavier gauge. Those cattle panels, uh, as you well know, come in a heavier gauge and a lighter gauge. And the, the discount houses try to convince you that lighter gauge one's a, a good panel. But I go for the heavier ones. And, I mean, it's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I've got panels probably 30 years old that are as good as the day I bought them. Other maybe a little bit of rust on the bottom most rung. So I sure think it's worth getting a heavier-duty wire because, uh, you know, you figure you get – you get twenty cantaloupes weigh ten pounds apiece. You got a lot of you got a lot of strain on that panel. Yeah, uh, four or five foot ought to <clears throat> ought to do it. Uh, we were thinking about using uh, uh, cut up onion sacks for slings. I don't know if that's going to work, but. Mm, they want to put slings up underneath them. Yeah, I think that little platform's a lot easier, and it's sure a lot prettier. 
And uh, plus, you know, every every one of those old potato sacks I've ever had is just a magnet for pill bugs. And uh, uh, pill bugs in my garden, if I don't keep them under control, they sure chew the rind on the bottom of that cantaloupe and uh, can get to the point sometimes they'll, you know, they'll actually get your fruit rotting where it's down on the ground. And so my choice uh, would sure be some little little platforms for them to sit on. Yeah, let me uh, see if I can come up with something like that. That's uh, that's great. Do you have a, a supplier and a, a name of a raised bed mix that you like to to use in your manu- <sighs> you know, in your uh, wooden beds or concrete beds or block beds? You know, I use um, I just use a potting soil. Sometimes I'll fortify it with a little bit of compost. Uh, Nature's creation is making probably the best potting soil I've ever seen. I used to think Ladybug's Vortex was the best one around, but uh, if you uh, haven't checked out the Nature's Creation soil, um, and you can get it at Adams. You're qualified to buy from them, of course, and that's the best soil in a bag that I've found. I've not found a bulk soil that I was satisfied with unless I then, you know, bumped it up with some lava sand and, uh, you know, some green sand and some compost. And uh, I spend almost as much, you know, as I would save buying it in bulk, trying to trying to make a really good garden soil out of what most of these big guys sell. I mean, two, three years down the road, it's great, but I I want I want to see good results the first year. So if it's in the budget, uh, check out with this uh, Nature's Creations potting soil. Yeah, I think it's going to be like 15 yards. Ooh, yeah, you're going to have to, uh, yeah, you're, that kind of quantities, you're you're probably going to be buying it in bulk. And I just put it in the budget, you know, to add about 30% compost to it and, you know, add a, a good deal of lava sand, a good deal of green sand, and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of cornmeal. And uh, I sure would stay away from the biosolids. Uh, New Earth has that uh, uh uh, certified organic compost now and you might talk to them about their garden soil and be sure they're not putting any biosolids in it and that's that's the principal one around um the folks out there on lookout road uh sometimes they've got a good product sometimes they they sell out of it but uh that's the other place that i would consider going yeah i'm kicking those two guys around i don't know where i'm going to end up landing but uh all right. Okay. Thanks for the input on the cantaloupes, man. I appreciate that. Well, it's uh, you know, it's it's fun to grow something that looks good as well as uh, you know, as well as does the job you're trying to get it to do. And uh, I don't know. It's kind of when when a person like yourself has a demonstration garden, uh, you need to uh, you need to show off every chance you get. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, one more question. <clears throat> Can I get those loofahs to go like uh, fifteen, sixteen feet if I? trellis them up oh you can you know we i remember one time having one that decided to grow out of the trellis and into a tree next to it and that thing was probably 18 20 feet up in the air where it looked like little sausages hanging all over it so, so it'll it'll grow as high as you'll support it and i can uh, i wanted to cut out some of that uh that uh afternoon sun on on part of the project and plant some loofahs up there uh yeah, they go fifteen, sixteen feet and cut out a little bit of that sun. Right? It's not going to cut out a lot of it. It's, it doesn't make a real, in my experience, it's not a real full foliage vine, but it sure will grow up to that height. And uh, once again, it's kind of fun. Everybody that looks at it, will ask you what it is, and then you can kind of give them a little lesson on loofahs. 
Okay, well, it looks like we're uh, we're going to have a fun project, and thanks for your advice. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure talking to you, James. Hope you have a wonderful Sunday, and uh, I know we'll talk again soon. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Bye. All right, Cosette's turn. Good morning. Morning, Bob. How are you this beautiful day? I am doing great. Um, we had Sandfest down here in Port A, and oh. it's couldn't ask for better weather i tell you what now that's one fun event down there you you got some world-class uh, sculptors down there making those sandcastles it's incredible it's absolutely <laughs> incredible do y'all have a website do you have some of that posted uh you know i don't get away from san antonio on weekends much in fact i don't get away from san antonio a lot except on business but golly i've seen some pictures in the past and uh y'all y'all do know how to party down on the beach oh yes of course i'm a little old for spring break now but (laughs) (laughs) i will enjoy myself at the same fest (laughs) hey well very good uh what else can you tell about it uh the the hours and uh where exactly it happens and what would you like to tell our listeners about Samfest? Well, it's in Port Aransas, of course, and is it is from mile marker 9 through 13, I believe. Okay. Yes, and they have vendors. They have all kinds of neat stuff. Um, it's a little crowded. It should be less crowded today just uh-huh. because tomorrow's a school day. Everybody has to get back to the regular schedule. <laughs> At least um, they should. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and they've opened up so many uh, new restaurants, um, some restaurants that, that have been uh, destroyed by Harvey or reopened. I mean, it's just, it's really looking good out there. So wear your flip really flops really and bring your suntan lotion. Yes. And a oh, big hat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate you sharing with us. And uh, does is today the last day of Samfest or does it go on into the end of the work week? I want to say it's today. Okay. Well, I'm very not good. Positive. Well, but I did have a question for okay. you. Okay. Okay. So I had never grown anything, and I decided, you know, I'm going to grow some Juliet tomatoes, mm-hmm. which you had recommended. Well, I planted two in a pot, and I mean, just incredible. Um, I was having some trouble with pests. I cannot find spinosad soap around here for anything in the world. I've called every nursery. Mm. Um, but I did order some uh, garlic oil uh, through Lowe's. I ordered it online, and I got that. And um, uh, when I had the jug, I was <laughs> the lady that was checking it out said, ooh, what are you trying to keep away with this? I said, um, pests, uh, including vampires, <laughs> because that <laughs> stuff is strong. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. But... Um, I mean, they were looking fabulous. They've got to be at least four feet tall, and I just planted them four weeks ago. Uh-huh. They were small plants. And all of a sudden, they were became very, very droopy. So I thought, okay, I must not have, you know, they may need to be watered. So I had a big old plastic um, water can, and it seemed to perk them up a little bit for a second. Mm-hmm. And then the following day, I'm they are sagging so bad, so droopy. I've got yellow leaves, and I've got lots of tomatoes on them, and they're about uh, most of them are about an inch long right now. Okay, I don't know what I've done or not done. How how often have you been watering them? Uh, 
because it's been so hot down here and so mm-hmm. much sun, I've been watering. Oh gosh, not very. Con- uh, I'm not very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe every couple of three days. Yeah, I I think it is probably a water issue. Uh, there are a couple of bacterial wilts, but I've never seen them on Juliet. Um, and, uh, I, you know, the, the secret of course, uh, in pots or in the ground, either way, I always tell people there's no such thing as too much water, but there's too often. So be certain that you're really, really soaking them when you do, but no, they want to get moderately dry. They want to get dry a couple of knuckles deep before you water again. You might try spraying the foliage at this point. If the soil's wet, I don't want you to water again until the soil's dry to the proper point, but um, making up a solution of either and or Garrett juice or Super Thrive um, just spray the foliage, and if anything will perk them up. You've obviously lost a bunch of the root system if they are if they are drooping that much, and if they're not just responding immediately to water. You need to get some roots back on them, and uh, I don't know anything that will do a better job of that than a foliar spray. Like I say, I'd probably use Super Thrive one day, and then I'd use the Garrett Juice the next day, and see if that'll bring them back. Okay. And now, was it the wrong thing to do planting two in a pot? No, I usually plant two in a pot. How big is the pot? Um, I want to say 18 inches, maybe okay. 20. Yeah, no, that's plenty big for uh, to put two plants in a pot. That's certainly what I would have done. Are you Have you got them in a cage? Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, let's try the Garrett Juice Super Thrive, see if we can't get them to perk back up. And remember on your watering, when you water, really flood them. And then when they're dry, a couple of knuckles deep, then it's time to really flood them again and be real consistent about the amount of water you give them. Now, how often that is will depend on the wind, will depend on the temperature. you know, so it's not going to be the same every time. They may need it every day at some points, and they may not need it more than every third day. But I'm, I, I think you have been letting them run a little bit on the dry side. Okay, yeah, because they are really, I, I had really soaked them, and the following day, um, when I got home from work, it, they felt really dry again. I kind of stuck my finger in the mm-hmm. soil, and it felt really dry. So then I soaked them again. And that's when they started turning yellow. Well, the yellow may be a uh, fungus disease called early blight. Um, your garlic will help with that. You could also soak some whole ground cornmeal in water and just spray that on the foliage, not on the ground. Next time, dust the foliage or dust the ground underneath in the pot uh, heavily with uh, whole ground cornmeal when you plant and a couple of times afterwards. Because if it is the early blight fungus. That usually gets started when it gets splashed up out of the soil and onto the foliage. Now, garlic will help prevent that. It doesn't work as well as curing it as a, you know, cornmeal will, but uh, that will help prevent it in the future. But um, make up some cornmeal tea, soak some whole ground cornmeal in water for 24 hours or so, spray the foliage with that, uh, spray, dilute your garlic spray appropriately and spray some of that on the foliage and see if that doesn't help with the yellowing. Okay, well, awesome. I'll give you a report next weekend. Look forward to hearing from you. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. And you enjoy Sanfest. Thank you, Cosette. Good morning, Rosa. Good morning. Good morning. Well, you answered the question on the tomatoes. Now I need one from my cactus. 
I have this little round cactus in about a, mm, I don't know, two inches, that little pot. Okay. The last time I noticed, it had a lot of little babies around it, and I thought, hey, that's great. Mm-hmm. So I have moved them around, and it's in the middle where I have a lot of pots. And yesterday when I went to look at them, all around my round, the mama, it's all brown. Is it going to die? How much sunlight is your cactus getting? Well, it's right in the middle of the sun. It's oh. out there where I have all the pots. And how often do you water it? Mm, I think that's the problem. But I don't know. Does it take? I don't know whether it takes a lot of water or it doesn't take a lot of water. I don't know. Well, you want to always, when you water, you want to water thoroughly. But in a little bitty pot like that, it's going to dry out really quickly. And, you know, people think about cacti being desert plants and being able to go for long times without water if they're in the ground and they can grow their roots all over the place then that's true but when they're raised up in a little bitty pot like that that cactus probably going to need water at least every other day oh i had no idea yeah, hmm. a lot of people don't. It's uh, um, I I think it will probably come back, but uh, cacti it's fine for them to dry out, but you don't want to let them stay dry for a long time because uh, they just have you know that's kind of like having a um, trying to stuff your thumb into a thimble. You've got a you've got a what wants to be a nice big plant in this tiny little pot, and it really can't spread its roots out very far because that pot's not big enough. So I think you're just keeping it way too dry. Um, so yeah, pick up pick up your watering about every other day as long as it's sunny, and uh, I think it'll do a whole lot better for you. Well, how about the little babies? Could I cut off some of them and start a new plant? Not until they get to be at least half the size of the mama plant. Uh, When they get, you know, as big as the end of your little finger, let's say she's as big as your thumb, when those little ones get to be as as big as as the end of your little finger, your middle finger, uh, at that Uh point you can separate them away. But while they're still little tiny things, no, they still, they need to hang on to mama to get a little more uh, water and nutrition for a little while longer. So you think she's going to make it? I can't tell you without seeing the patient, and even then I'd just be guessing, but I'd say knowing cacti as I do, they certainly have a good chance. Oh, great. Okay, well, that's good to hear. All right. Thank you so much. You have a great day. You do the same, Rosa. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to Joe. Good morning, Joe. Yeah, i got a a problem. I've got a neighbor's. They've got a privacy fence. I have a chain-link fence. And I've got grass, uh, my carpet grass in St. Augustine and whatever grows between the two fences. And Word. I can't get my hands in there to pull the weeds <laughs> all the time because I have arthritis. So right. I'm looking for something that I can put on that six-inch difference there to neutral, neuter the soil so grass will not grow into her flower beds under her privacy well unfortunately there's not really anything you can put in the soil or it would leach you know into the flower beds and hurt her flowers now if you wanted to put down some sort of barrier i mean you could uh, get some old asphalt shingles and you know cut them in half and lay that down on top the ground maybe put a little mulch or something like that and create a physical barrier that way or you could uh, periodically make their mixture of vinegar and orange oil, and an ounce of two I ounces. 
And, uh, yeah, you, you can kill things back, but of course they're going to keep growing. But if you want to really stop it, it's pretty much going to be a physical barrier of some sort. Um, I mean, you could get a, a six inch wide piece of Trex, the, uh, you know, the synthetic wood that doesn't rot away and just lay that down on top of the ground. If it's, if it is six inches between or, um, I'd think about, like I say, I'd think about getting some old shingles or something like that and just cut them as wide as that little space is. Um, as yeah. you probably know, I hate weed block, but uh, in this case where you just want to kill everything, you could take some of that weed block and cut it into a six-inch wide strip and put it down and then put some, like I say, some mulch or something like that on top to hold it, and it may not get every single little green thing that tries to grow in there, but it's going to get 95% of them at least. What is weed block? What is that? Weed block is a cloth-like material. It's basically a plastic felt material. Um, people put it down mistakenly, I think, under you know rock beds and under mulch and things like that, and it just really destroys the soil underneath there. But uh, I occasionally use it in my garden where I just want to kill everything, where I've got native grasses and things that I want to add another row to my vegetable garden. I'll put it down for six months and then pull it up. And um, it's, uh, I should find it a lot of different places. There is a big difference in quality. So buy one of the better quality ones, but it's something, it's going to come probably the minimum width you'll be able to find. It is about two feet wide, but uh, you could cut that and it cuts easily with just a, you know, pair of heavy scissors, but you could cut that into, I'd make it just a little bit wider than that six inch strip. I'd probably have a couple inches on either side so that you could put it down but have a little lip of it turned up against the privacy fence, a little bit of a lip of it turned up against your chain link fence, and then put what you like, be it rock, be it mulch, whatever, in that. And uh, I can't probably, you know, I say I can't promise you to take out every weed, but it's going to take out 95, 98% of them, and it should last for, oh, a minimum of two or three years for you. Okay. Uh, can you buy that anywhere? Um, many nurseries carry it. I think most all the box stores carry it. Um, if you go into the box stores, just look for a reasonably good quality product. If you go somewhere like Fanix Nursery, I know they have it in big rolls and, um, you know, they, I think, uh, they probably have it as much as 12 feet wide. And what you could do is just get them to cut you uh, a few strips of it that are 10 inches long, be very inexpensive, and then you wouldn't even have to worry about cutting it. Okay. Well, I'm going to do that then. I'm going to do that. You let me know how it works out for you. Okay. i got another question. Okay. Uh, I've been, I, you told me to put some molasses on my dirt that was uh, destroyed by people putting chemicals in it. Yes, sir. And my, uh, my uh, jasmine's coming back. Good. Can I continue to put molasses on Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Molasses, yeah, molasses stimulates the beneficial microbes in the soil, and uh, I don't think it really helps to do it more than about once a month or so, but you do it once a month, you'll get back to having the healthiest jasmine on the block. And I can use has to grow with that also. Absolutely. Has to grow already has a little bit of molasses in it. But uh, if you want to save yourself two applications, just add, uh, you know, at least an, uh, a tablespoon of molasses uh, for every gallon of has to grow you're mixing up. And that way you can just have sort of a fortified has to grow you're putting down. 
can I put some Medina Grain Grow on top of that, or do I need to do that? <laughs> you, you may be doing more than you need to. If you're if you're going to put some of the growing green on, I would cut back on the frequency of using the has to grow. But uh, if you uh, if it were me, if I were really trying to stimulate it to grow, I'd probably put the growing green on there about four times a year, and then I'd maybe put some has to grow on about every three weeks. Okay, last question. Uh, black cow manure. I did that one time, mm-hmm. and my wife, wife complained. She says, we got flies all over this house. Where is it coming from? And Would that have been the manure that I put on the It on the certainly could have been a place for them to uh, to live and breed if you ever do that again. Spray a little spinosad on it. Spinosad is a very safe uh, natural insecticide that's an especially good fly deterrent. Um, it probably, I can't really say it caused it, but it certainly gave them a good place to get started. And um, can't say for sure, but that, that might have contributed to it. Okay. Well, that answers my question. You've been a big help this morning. That's what I'm here for, Joe. Appreciate the call. You have a wonderful Sunday, and uh, we'll talk again. All right, let's get back to gardening, back to the phone lines. Rose, Tracy, Joe, and Kim. Rose is first. Good morning, Rose. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Uh, last year, I had a very bad problem with what I believe was blight on my zinnias. Okay. And it had the brown spots, and the centers get white, and it creeps all the way up the plant. What kind of zinnias yeah. were you growing? Well, I had I bought some of health, very healthy-looking plants, from the nursery, and I also had some seed. And it's not the uh, seed from the old-fashioned type of zinnias. Okay. Uh, there are some very much improved zinnias out there that have many fewer problems with the fungal diseases. Um, if oh. you're looking for a taller growing variety, uh, look for specifically for a, a zinnia called Dreamland. They're come, they come in a lot of different colors. They are much more disease resistant and they bloom over a much longer period of time than any of the old fashioned. Back when I first started growing zinnias, you know, I had to plant three crops a year because they just don't last well into the summer. The Dreamland's truly with little maintenance will go all summer long and you'll have a lot fewer problems um and if you want a lower zinnia grow the one they call profusion and again it's mainly yellow orange or what they call fire which is real red orange uh they have a rose colored one but it fades so much in the summer if you're prepared for a light pink that's fine but it's not going to say the real rich color it is during cooler weather and it is there there are a bunch of lookalikes there's one called zahara there are lots of different varieties but that profusion for a mounding zinnia um that dreamland for a tall zinnia uh, those guys are are going to be a lot easier and a lot more trouble-free for you. Now, if fungus is a problem, you can pretty much prevent it either with a garlic spray or with uh, soaking some whole-ground cornmeal in water and spraying that on the foliage. But I rarely ever see the problem you're describing on uh, on Dreamland or on the Perfusion Zinnias. Oh, now are you talking, these are just plants. I think I've seen seeds for those also. Uh, I've seen, the seeds are fairly common on the dreamland. I don't see a lot of seed out there on the profusions, but uh, it may be out there. I just have to say that uh, little plants okay. are so inexpensive, unless you're just planting a huge area, that's the way most people go. 
okay, well, sure. Well, okay, I didn't. Well, that part I didn't know. And the cornmeal, uh, I already have some up that are about a foot tall. Yeah. And well, I, I don't want to hopefully stop them. Is it too late to maybe get the... Now, you're talking about cornmeal, like from the feed store, a bag. Well, or if you get it at the grocery store, get what they call stone ground or whole ground. Don't get the so-called enriched. Uh, garlic stimulates oh. a lot of beneficial fungi to prevent the problem. Cornmeal grows a trichoderma fungus, which will work at curing the problem. So sometimes a little bit of both is a good idea. Okay. Okay, well, thank you so much. And by the way, the Dreamlands are a very good cutting zinnia as well, if you enjoy doing some cut flowers with them. So uh, look around for them and enjoy them. I'll do it. Thank you, sir. You're welcome, Rose. Thank you. Tracy's next. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Um, My question is about the pressure um, compensated tubing. Yes. Do I need the the pressure-regulated uh, the the valve and the backflow on the faucet. You don't need the backflow preventer. Um, it kind of depends on where you live. Uh, if you have a super high water pressure, are you on a on a saws main or you know? No, are you... I have well. We're we're on a well, okay. and the the faucet is on the lowest. Yeah. part of where the water goes out because we're on the side of a hill. I can't imagine you're needing a pressure regulator valve. Uh, you know, okay. there's some areas around, and they do this for fire safety, so they'll have plenty of pressure in the fire hydrants, but uh, they get up, you know, 60, 70, 100 pounds per square inch of pressure. Uh, my well, and I've got a good pump on my well, I think it most runs 30 pounds of pressure, and I've never blown uh, you know, I've never blown uh, a line off of a connector. So if you're on a well system, uh, unless for whatever reason you got your pump and your pressure tank set up to where you could, you know, blast a rocket off the ground with it, I don't think you need to worry about the uh, pressure regulator valve at all. Okay. So also when I have mine laid out, but I have, let's say that I have one uh, solid line um, and then lines that are coming off of it mm-hmm. perpendicularly okay um do is that okay or because it's not going to be in a straight line the way that i have mine set up is that nah. a problem you no know, it's not you just you just need to get relatively even coverage and it is important that you have a way to open that line up and especially on a well kind of blow out all the crud that may wind up in the line um, what i do with my pressure compensated drip you can get what looks like a little figure eight costs about 35 cents and you simply bend you you leave a little pigtail as it were sticking out from one or more of the lines you bend this over which shuts it off completely and then every so often when your system's running you go out and uh, i mean this takes literally seconds to do and you just push that little figure eight back you open that up give it 10 seconds to blow out any particular matter that's collected and then close it off again that will keep your pressure compensated tubing working trouble free for a much longer period of time and i don't think i'm alone i I get you know lots of grit uh out of the well but shoot i see lots of grit you know and people on uh saws water too so I, i think having that little ability to drain that line every so often and blow it out is a good thing but it, it's not complicated to do and like i say it'll cost you probably under 50 cents to create each little clean out area okay I'll, um if if the water tubing is uh at an 
uh, lined out, but it goes downward a little bit mm-hmm. instead of straight across. Does it change the way that the water flows? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. And, and remember that that tubing comes both with and without emitters. So if you've got, you know, where you want to put out water in one area, but you want to skip an area and then put out water further down the line, you can just uh, get what they call blank tubing, and it's even less expensive um, so that you can... That black tubing? Yeah. It's okay. it's kind of a brownish color, but they just call it blank tubing, and it doesn't have those little emitters on the one-foot centers that the regular pressure-compensated drip does. It looks the same, okay, it just so doesn't let any water out. If I have multiple connections on that same uh, line, do I need to limit myself on how many beds I can do since there's almost like a pattern instead of a straight line i would keep your if you measure the total length of drip line that you're putting out i wouldn't go on any one connection i wouldn't go more than 150 to 200 feet of drip tubing okay perfect that's and that's a lot of beds Uh, so you know i've I've got a 200 foot line in my garden i've had mine divided up and and i'm thinking maybe that was you know, part of the pressure problem, because I didn't have, um, I would have like, let's say 25, 30 feet on one line, and some of the pressure was high. That's why I was worried about the no, pressure. No, I don't think, uh, you know, that's the, I, I don't know how they can make such a good system at such a low price. I would not be I at know, all concerned. amazing. <laughs> and I've had mine down for several years, and as long as I remember to flush it out every now and then, it still works perfectly. Perfect. And one more quick question. Um, when you talk about the lava sand and magic sand, what's the purpose of adding that to the soil? The magic sand is a supplement, a mineral supplement with lots of iron and manganese and things like that in it. The lava sand uh, helps with keeping a little more moisture in the soil, and it helps with what we call cation exchange, which basically means keeping your fertilizer there so that it doesn't leach away until the plants need it. It kind of locks on to the fertilizer, uh, the negatively, I'm sorry, the positively charged fertilizer uh, ions, as it were, and just hangs on to them and the plants, until the plants need them. That's one of the big problems with the synthetic fertilizers is probably 90% of it washes away and creates pollution issues. But naturally occurring things in the soil, things with lots of organic content, and minerals like lava sand uh, have what we call a high cation exchange potential, which means they just hang on to the nutrients until your plants need them. Perfect. Okay, well, thank you. Good questions, Tracy. Appreciate the call. We'll talk again. Joe's up first. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Bob. Morning, sir. Uh, I've got a question in reference to stickers or grass burrs. I don't know the proper word for them. Okay. But uh, uh, I've lived in this house for 48 years and never have I seen uh, anything like this. As a matter of fact, I never had them up until this year or last year. My neighbor had some. Uh-huh. Now I, they are coming onto my yard, and uh, both my neighbors on either side, they one of them is almost a solid red uh, uh-huh. grass burst, and yep. the other one on my right side, she's getting some on her front yard. Not as many, as many but mine they get. I took some yesterday, and they, it's fairly easy to pull out. Got right. long root. 
Right. But uh, I'll never finish, even if I take them out one by one. <laughs> I tell you what you need to do, and it's a little late this year, but it will help if you go ahead and do it. Put down a thin layer of compost, about a half-inch layer of compost over your grass areas. Your grass will actually choke the sticker burrs out. I had an area that we used for a croquet court that you could not walk through. There were thousands of grass burrs in there. I put a thin layer of compost over it. I did it actually. I did this in late fall, and I had the next year. I had a total of four sticker burr plants that I had to pull up. Uh, unfortunately, once they're up and growing, pre-emergence don't work, and you know anything that kills them in the way of a spray would hurt your would hurt your good grass as well. But I in my yard, like I said, I had a horrible problem, and simply with uh, using the compost, the compost is sort of a natural pre-emergent, and it also stimulates your grass. So you're going to have to put up with some this year. I wish we'd had this talk back in January. We probably could have totally headed the problem off. But uh, compost has solved my sticker burr problem. Okay. Uh, how often do I have to apply that? Uh, I did it once, and this was about four years ago, and I still have no sticker burrs. Okay, great. It would be good for your grass if you could do it every year, but it's a fair amount of work, and it's a little bit of money. But um, like I said, I did it four years ago, and this is an area that I really don't have the water to water it often. I put some fertilizer on it about once a year, and now I've got a beautiful Bermuda area and no more sticker burrs. Okay. So what causes them to um, come out that heavy? I mean, this, I mean, almost like a side of Well, it's, it's all the moisture we've had. Plus, uh, they're an annual grass. They make lots of seeds, lots of sticker burrs, and then you get a fairly rainy period like we've had the past six weeks. They just sprout everywhere. Okay. So is it okay just to go ahead and mow it as low as I can? Mow it as low as you can. That will help. But uh, get that compost on before it gets any hotter if you can, Joe. Okay, dokie. Uh, any place that, that you might recommend that I can get the compost? Uh, Stone and Soil Depot has good compost. New Earth has good compost. Those are my two top places. Stone and what? I'm sorry? Uh, Stone and Soil Depot and mm-hmm. New Earth. 